0: Heaven, we're gonna. That's all we're gonna do is praise Him. But we might as well get started praising Him now. He's worthy of it now, and it gets us in. It, if we don't praise Him, was the scripture say? even the rocks will do it? He is worthy of praise. First Corinthians chapter number three this morning. First Corinthians chapter number three. And I always try to have a little bit of a shorter sermon the day we have the Lord's Supper, but I tried. It's not going to be much shorter than normal. So I tried. I tried. I really did. But. Um, we actually got out pretty good today, and so and the room's good and full this morning. That's a good thing. First Corinthians chapter number 3. We're going to look down to verse number 5 through verse number 9 today. As we look at our text here this morning, and as we look at these scriptures, we look, this church, this church has some issues going on in it. And in all reality, every church does. If you're looking to find a perfect church, someday we will be in it when we're with Jesus. We'll have the perfect leader in the perfect place and a perfect body, and it will all be perfect. And what a day that's going to be. But till then, we get to show our Christianity to one another by loving one another in spite of our differences and things like that. That's what's awesome about the Lord. And he says, this is how all men know that you're my disciples, by the love you have for one another. And that's an awesome thing. And more Christians need to show God's love than what they do today. But that's not my message this morning. We've looked at this church, and from the beginning, there's strife, there's division, there's things going on. Some say they're of Paul, some say they're of Apollo, some of Peter, and some of Jesus. And as we started out chapter number three last week, Paul says, I couldn't speak to you about these spiritual things because you're you're carnal. And we've talked about over the past several weeks, there are two types of men there are natural men and spiritual men natural men are those that are not saved without christ that's the natural man we enter into this world as a natural man natural woman whatever the case may be there and then when you get saved you become spiritual now the question that becomes when we become spiritual is do we grow into a mature christian or are we an immature christian and carnal that's carnal immature we look at that the same now Some people barely get saved, and you can't expect a new believer in Christ to be a mature Christian. But let's just say we had a 50-year-old come in this morning, and they had to have someone bring them in in a stroller, and they're feeding them a bottle, and they would say something's not right. But someone could be a Christian for 50 years and have no spiritual maturity in their life, and that's not okay either. God wants us to mature. Last week as we opened up chapter number three, my thought for the day was the church is like a family, and God wants us to mature. We saw the fact that there were divisions, all these things going on, and God had bigger plans for them in that church. As I mentioned, there are really three different images that Paul uses here in chapter number three to describe ministers or those the pastor and things like that and the church, I mentioned last week that a minister is someone who serves. And isn't that what Jesus did? He didn't come to be ministered to. He came to minister. And then we look here today at chapter number 3, down to verse number 5. It says, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God giveth the increase." Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Father, I pray you'd bless the next few minutes that we have this morning. I pray that you would guide us and help us. Lord, we need you. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for the blessings you've given to us. And Lord, help us this morning to look at this passage of Scripture. Apply it to our lives, apply it to our hearts, and leave here with something from you that can help us grow in our walk with you. We love you, Lord, we thank you for this day. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. You notice I mentioned last week that a minister and is someone that serves, something else that a minister does, we see it here, he's kind of like a farmer in that that he sows seed. And we say, well, what is the seed that he sows? I think Jesus gave a great passage about this in Matthew chapter 13, which kind of lays the groundwork for everything. So I want you to look at this parable with me in Matthew 13. Now, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And you ever hear someone tell you a story or something, and at the end of it, you're like, what did that mean? That's exactly when Jesus got with the disciples away after he was with this multitude. The disciples asked him, what did that mean? And he explained it to them. So we're going to look at verses 1 through 9, then we're going to go, go down to verse 18 and see what this parable meant. So the same day when Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and a great multitude were gathered unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Do you see that right there? Jesus sat while everyone else stood. I think we're going to try that sometime. One of these weeks, I'm going to sit, and you all can stand, and we'll switch spots. I'm, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. It was just a joke. No one's laughing. So I won't use that again. I'll mark that down. Don't even tease about that again. All right. So the multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and fowls came and devoured them up, and some upon stony places where they had not much earth and wherewith they sprung up, because there were no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some of a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath an ear to hear, let him hear. Now, as I said, the disciples later on asked Jesus, what did you mean by that? So the explanation of his parables down in verse number 18 of the same passage. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. For any one heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which is sown in his heart. So the ground that is mentioned earlier in the chapter refers to the heart of man, correct? So it says this is he which receiveth seed by the wayside, but he that receiveth the seed into the stony place, the same is he that heareth the word. So the seed that is mentioned is the word of God. So this word of God is seed that is placed on the ground, right? And depending on the type of ground the seed goes into, depends on what that seed can do with that ground. If someone has a hard heart towards God, are they going to listen to the Word of God and let it penetrate their heart? No. But God's word is one of the only books that uh, is the only book that can take a hard heart and make it soft. because that's what God can do to a life. But the ground matters. Those of you that are anybody grow up on a farm? If you grew up on a farm-raised period, let's see, a few of you. My parents asked me if I was born, born in a barn. My dad used to ask me that often, and I think you know why, because I'd leave the door open were you born in a barn? I'm like, you were there when I was born. You know where I was? And uh but I wasn't born on a farm. I um in fact, farming there's really not much about farming that interests me. I like the the meat that comes from it and some of the produce that comes from it, but that's about it right there. But when it when the ground matters and you'll till the ground and you'll do things to get the ground ready for the seeds that are planted. So, as we look and for sake of time we're just going to continue on here The gist of it is, the parable there, Jesus tells them there's some seed that doesn't go anywhere, falls on that fallow ground, and that seed, the wicked one, the devil just picks it up. Like the birds go in and get it because it has no place to grow. There's some seed that enters into fallow ground, and that shallow ground there, you might get something to to spring up, but the roots can't grow very deep if it's very shallow. And that's where maybe the Word of God comes in, and you get it some, But it doesn't grow, and then the hard times come. Have you ever seen someone that comes to church, and people have different opinions about it, and they're not preaching this morning, so I am. I think that someone, I think a saved person can have shallow roots because the seed started to grow in their life. If there's growth from the Word of God, I don't see growth from the Word of God on someone that's not saved. It's got to be someone. But the shallow roots, you ever see someone that gets on fire for God right away, but maybe their roots are a little shallow, then something bad happens in their life, and they're gone? I think that's a great example of it. Or someone who gets so the third type of ground was that thorny, the ground that had all the weeds and things. If you're going to grow a garden or you're going to have a, you're not, you've got to take care of the weeds because the weeds can choke things out. And the cares of this life can choke out what the word of God's trying to do in our lives. We need the good ground so that the word of God can penetrate and grow and mature us to be what God wants us to be. And God wants us to bear fruit, doesn't he? The Bible says in John 15, Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. God wants his children to bear fruit. So, as we look at our text this morning and we see this passage, the main thought this morning is the church is like a field, and the goal is fruit, it's quantity. As we look here this morning and you think about any farm, there are many workers needed. You have someone who prepares the soil, maybe another one plants the seed. You have someone who pulls the weeds, you have someone who reaps the harvest. But at the end of the day, they're all rejoicing in the fact that there was seed, or not seed, that there was fruit from their labors. Did they labor in different ways? Of course they did. But they were rejoicing in the fact that the harvest came. And it doesn't quite work that way in church today, does it? Just the other day, I had a lady reach out to me. She got saved in our church and got baptized in our church in 2014. Well, she moved to Texas, and this has not happened to me in probably 12 years. It used to be a thing. Years ago, if you moved to a new church, you would ask for a, a letter of recommendation from your old church to join the new. I haven't seen that in years. I didn't know people still do that because no one has. And so I literally got an email, this lady wants to join our church, and uh, I want a recommendation letter from you. I'm like, well, isn't her word good enough? But anyways, so I, so I did it. But think about this. At the end of the day, we are the ones, our church under the Lord, we planted the seed. We saw the seed start to grow. And now they're reaping the harvest of the seed that we planted. There are some people that would be so upset. Well, we did this. They No, it's God. And God's the one who does the work in our lives. you know what I was thrilled about? That she's going to church in Texas. Would it be nice if she was still here using her talents for the Lord here? Maybe, but if God wanted her here, I think she would be here. So, if God doesn't want her here and God wants her there, we can all rejoice because every one of us, not just one person or one thing, had a work in us to get us to where we are. Some planted, some sowed, some water, But at the end of the day, God's the one that gives the increase. And God's the one who places people where they need to be and what happens. But sometimes we look at this passage and we think about remember back in chapter number one, I'm a Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm a Peter. How foolish it is for us to do that among ourselves. Because at the end of the day, what does it say there in verse number 8? Now, he that planteth and watereth are one. Verse before that, so neither he that is planteth anything, neither is he that watereth. We're nothing. Did you realize that? It does us a good day in the Christian life when we realize we're nothing. He's everything. It keeps us from getting a big head. It keeps us from pride coming into our lives and pride is the downfall of many a man and many a woman. We've got to be very careful and keep our eyes on who the Lord is and what he does in our lives. And so Paul here uses this idea, and we think about this image of a, how could this image of a field and, the, and growing and the planting and watering and the growing of these things, how could this apply to the problems that they had in Corinth? To begin with, the emphasis must always be in a church. For the church in Corinth, the church Victory Baptist here in Chino, and any church, the emphasis must be on God, and the emphasis cannot be on the laborers. Because he that watereth, he that planteth are nothing. God's the one who gives the increase. The one who waters, the one who plants, they're one. They're to be united together on things. It's God that's busy doing the work, Paul and Apollos here were only servants who were doing what God called them to do. And isn't that what we all should be? God calls us all to do different things. But we should all be servants of God doing what he's called us to do. And there are times in our lives where we help sow seed into people's lives. There are times where we help water the seed that's already been there. There was a while back I I was talking with someone and they were one of those, what must I do to be saved? Those never happened to me. But literally, they wanted, right away, they wanted to know how to get saved. And it wasn't, it was, but do you know, someone else had already planted the seed. And in all reality, someone else had already watered the seed. I was just there to help the fruit come up. But at the end of the day, I didn't do it. The Lord did. We're just servants doing his work. And that's what we must remember and keep in our minds. And as we look at this here, it's wrong for us to center attention Servants, but for some reason we do it all over the place. There are pastors that are big deal, and where if Pastor so and so says this, I'll do whatever Pastor so and so says. But at the end of the day, we're all servants of the Lord, and we need to elevate God, not elevate people. People will let us down, Jesus will never let us down. Don't forget those things. So, as we look here, what are some lessons we can learn? from this image today number one the fact that there are many roles in ministry there are many roles in ministry in fact isn't the church compared to a body there are lots of different roles that a body has you have lots of things organs and body parts that do lots of things that if they're not functioning properly you realize and that's when you realize how important they are i remember a couple of years ago i'm not trying to gross anybody out i had an ingrown toenail that was pretty bad on my big toe you never know how much you use your big toe till it hurts. Do you know you use your big toe for balance? So if there's no big toe, and some of you, your balance isn't very good already. Imagine if you didn't have that big toe. Imagine what would happen then. But your big toe all the time, especially when it hurts and you're, you don't realize it. When I would preach and I had that issue going on, every time the toe would, I would feel it. And you don't realize all you do with the big toe till there's pain there. And sometimes you look, maybe you're the big toe of this church. That's a big responsibility. We need someone to brings some balance to people in this place. And I need balance. We all need balance. So maybe you're the big toe that helped bring balance. It might not be the most glamorous, and you might stink sometimes. I don't know. But if that's your role, praise God for you in that role. There are some that are the hands. There are some that are the eyes. There are some whatever the case may be. But God has a role for you. And When we think about it, some water, some plant, whatever the case may be, there are many roles. Our labor, you know, one labor does the soil, one sows the seed, someone waters, and then they all enjoy the harvest when it comes. And that's how it should be. We're all ministers of God, just doing the work of God and rejoicing in what the Lord does. In ministry, there are many roles. And the diversity there in all this is why he compares it to a body. You have a role. If this is your church, you have an important part in this place. You realize that? God designed you for whatever he's got you to do. Say, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. You need to figure that out. Let me help you figure that out. We shouldn't be ignorant concerning our spiritual gifts and our spot in the body. It's important. But in ministry and in the church, there are many roles in ministry. Number two, there should be unity of purpose. You see what Paul says there in verse number 8? 8. Now, he that planteth and he that watereth are one. Now, did Paul and Apollos agree on everything? I doubt you could find two people in this life that agree on everything. We go around this room. Not all of us agree on everything. How many of you think that Dr. Pepper's the best soda that God ever created? Would you raise your hand? Good man, good man, good man, good people. How many of you think that Doctor pa- Pepper tastes like cough medicine? These are good people. I, I want to say they're good people, but that's tough for me to say. How many of you say that Coke is better than Doctor Pepper? Who says Pepsi's better than the other two? And who would say that you just like water? No one just likes water. There's no flavor. How can you, I like water. You like nothing? You, oh, this tastes like nothing. It's so good. Now, I get you might need to be refreshed. I get that. But I just, it's like Caroline loves that, that, that she calls it fizzy water. The sparkling water that has like a little, there's, that's gross. Why am I, I literally, if I'm going to enjoy one of those, I have to dump a bunch of Splenda or some artificial sweetener in there so there's at least something to it. And, uh, but do you see in here, I think there are a lot of good people in here today but there are many people that don't realize that Dr. Pepper is the best soda. And I'm sorry that you can't understand that one today. And so, but I can't hold that against you. We might not all agree on our favorite sodas, but do we agree in the room that Jesus is the Lord? They, Yeah, we do? Good. That's a good thing. So you notice we're not going to agree on every little doctrine out there, but you notice, like, in our church, we have a purpose statement. It's on our wall. Our purpose here is to exalt our Savior edify the saints and evangelize the sinner that's our purpose it's listed on the wall so you might not agree with me on every little thing you might not like my tie i don't know if i like my i do like my tie someone gave it to me so i gotta like this tie. um i don't like ties at all i know i I really think i really think a woman and a wife invented a tie so that way if her husband was being real bad she could just grab tie now and choke him that's what i think it was for that was the whole point of one of these things But we can be unified on these things. You might not agree. You know, some people might think you need to wear a suit to church. Some might think you just need to wear a T-shirt to church. Is that going to make or break anything? No, that's your opinion. We need to be unified. Paul and Apollos, did they preach the same thing? Of course they didn't preach the same thing. Were they the same person? No, but they were unified in the things of God. And as we look at that, we see right there, you got to understand, no matter what work a person's doing for the Lord, we are doing it for him. It's his work. We need to do it his way. We see there that Paul planted, uh, someone watered, and all these things. They weren't in competition. You know, we get that in Christianity sometimes. Well, I'm in competition. You're not in competition with anybody. We're all just striving to serve Jesus. And at the end of the day, you're not comparing yourself to every other Christian out there. You're looking at the standard mark. Jesus, we look to him, the author, and the finisher of our faith. We're not not in competition with the church down the street. Do you realize that today? You know, the Lord gives the increase. Say, why are some churches big and why are some churches small? Not my job to figure out. God is the one who brings the increase. Isn't that right? That's right. Isn't that what it says? I can't control how many people come into this room. You say, how many people do you want in this church, Pastor? As many as God wants there to be. You say, say, well, how many is that? I don't know. He hasn't told us. We just keep preaching, and people come. We went from one service to two. We just do what the Lord wants us to do, and we're trying to please Him. He brings the increase. It's not a personality. It's not a pastor. God brings the increase. You see, There is many roles in ministry. There's unity of purpose. And then this is something we need to understand, too. There's humility of spirit. The reason why we're going to be divided, and well, I'm of this person, I'm of this, that's all pride. We need humility when it comes to the things of the Lord. You see, it's not the human labors that produce the harvest, God produces the harvest. God gives, as it says here, the increase. God gives the increase here. God uses humans today. But God is the one who brings the increase. We can't decide what increase we want. We can sow the seed. We can water the seed. But it's up to God what happens with the seed. Too many of us think we can control that. I get emails all the time. You want to grow your church from 200 to 1,000? 1,000? All you got to do is buy my plan, 500 bucks, and I'll tell you how to do it. And the guy's never pastored a day in his life. How is he going to tell me how to build a church from 200 to 1,000? Say, how do you build a church from 200 to 1,000? Don't have a clue. The Lord brings the increase. And those that have an explanation on why they build their church so big, I would be very careful listening to that. God's the one who brings the increase. We see that here in our text. And isn't that kind of like what the Lord said and what Jesus said in John chapter number 4, verse 34 to 38, he said this, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Say ye not, there are four months, then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for there are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto eternal life, that both he, the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. And herein is the saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestow no labor. Other men labored that ye enter into their labors. And just as I mentioned, that lady that just moved to that church in Texas. It's awesome. I'm so thrilled she's in church. There would be some pastors that would be jealous that someone is going someplace else when they helped them. That's not how it is. It's not about us. Well, I saved that person. You never saved a person. Unless you, okay. If you jumped in a river somewhere and someone was drowning, and you pulled them out you might be able to claim you saved someone but if you're trying to refer to that in the christian life i saved someone you saved no one god saved them right god drew their heart god did the work god uses us to plant the seed but god's the one who does the work and i hope i don't want to burst your bubble but you probably weren't the only one to sow some seed There was probably someone else before you that sowed some seed and you're just reaping what they sowed. And at the end of the day, we should all just rejoice that a soul was saved and came to the Lord. That's what it's all about. It's not about me. It's not about this group of people. It's not about this. It's not about that. It's about the Lord and what he does and rejoicing in God. You're God's husbandry, it says. You're God's garden. That's what that means. The church is God's garden. And God wants his garden to bring forth fruit. If you have a garden, is your goal just to have plants in there? You plant a garden to produce, right? If you have fruit trees, you want that tree to produce. What's the point in having a fruit tree if it doesn't produce? What's the point in having boysenberries or whatever fruit there is if it's not going to produce? You want it to produce. God, the, the church is the Lord's garden. He wants it to produce. God wants to see increase in his fields. You, the Lord wants His church to grow. Do you realize that? And growing could come numerically. It could come spiritually. There's lots of different ways. I want to give you a few ways that He wants to see His field grow and w- what the local church can produce. Number one is this, the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit's love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance against such, there is no law. Isn't that what the Scriptures say? Let me ask you this morning. Are we... Are we producing in this place the fruit of the Spirit? When we interact with other of God's people, is there love, joy, peace? Or are we doing more like the church in Corinth, having, envying, strife, and division? I don't see in the fruits of the Spirit envying strife and division. I see love, joy, and peace. Are we growing, are we producing the fruit of the spirit and growing in that as a church number two number two growing in holiness bible tells us in romans 6 verse 22 but now being made free from sin and become servants to god ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life the fruit of holiness number three growing in our giving the verse that's listed underneath that is the wrong verse so don't that verse talks about um Contribution and things, but that is not the verse that was supposed to be. In between services I told myself I was gonna get the right verse for you, but I got busy talking to somebody, so I didn't get that done. Number four. We need to grow in our good works. Colossians one, verse number ten, that you might walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. God wants us to grow in the fruit of the Spirit in holiness and giving in our good works. How about growing our praise to the Lord? Number five. Hebrews thirteen, fifteen, by him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Fruit. What type of fruit does do your lips produce? Are, is it good fruit? Or is it rotten fruit? should be good fruit. Number six and lastly, souls to be led to Christ. Church needs to do that. The Bible talks about in Romans 1, verse 13, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come to you, but was let hereto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even among the Gentiles. And that fruit was referring to the fruit of souls and that's if we're a christian we should be bearing fruit we should be bearing the fruit of the spirit bearing these things and there's so much more that i could say but this is what it comes down to though you think about this what makes what's the difference between fruit and vegetables could you say that one more time that was the best statement i've say that again fruit tastes good that is so true I, that's, the best, I, that's the best one I've heard, and I, that is so true. But what's the difference between a fruit and a vegetable? Seeds, right? Seeds. And so is a tomato a fruit or a vegetable? It's technically a fruit. <sighs> and it doesn't really taste like a fruit to me. On a burger, once in a blue moon, it tastes okay, but that's about it. But um, So fruit has seeds. What do seeds do? they reproduce right isn't that what seeds for to reproduce that's why a christian's referred to it's referred to as fruit and not a vegetable maybe god doesn't love vegetables much he loves fruit too that could be part of it too and i see that or maybe maybe in the garden of eden god cursed all the vegetables to taste the way they do instead of everything tastes like fruit before it was no i'm just kidding just kidding just kidding but fruit has seeds in it those seeds how you get more fruit right so if the fruit of our ministry is genuine it will eventually produce more fruit that pleases god because isn't god glorified when we bear much fruit what the bible says and so as we think about this those who serve in ministry are constantly caring for the soil of the church one of my main jobs as the pastor of this church is to help you grow to be what god wants you to be and a pastor acts kind of like a farmer helps say well what's my part in that make sure your heart is open to receive the word of god when your pastor preaches to you or you have bible studies you go to or there's pastors you listen to whatever the case may be when someone's sowing the seeds of god's word have your heart open to receive what god has for you and that's important Because the goal is to grow to be what the Lord would have us be. Because what's Satan busy doing? He's sowing seeds all over too. He's sowing seeds of lies, doubts, division. We don't need those seeds. Those seeds don't help us grow. Those seeds mess us up. What we need as a Christian, we need the seed of the good word. So it can grow up and mature us to become what God wants us to be.